Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The Lord be with you. A warm welcome to morning celebration of Mass here at St Bride's Church in Cambus Lang. Today the Mass is the Requiem Mass for the repose of the soul of Bridget McKernan. A welcome to the Church today, uh, John and Maggie and Jared and Claire, her children. Welcome to Elaine and Miriam, uh, her daughters-in-law, her grandchildren who are here, her great-grandchild, uh, her nephew Robert uh, and Josephine from the Greenfield Park Care Home. I'd like also you to remember in your prayers today uh, Margaret, her sister, who is unable to be with us here today. I ask you also to remember all those who also are not able to be with us here today as well. Welcome to all who will be listening later on today in the audio recording of the Mass. Many people would have liked to have been here with you, as you know, today, but are unable to be here because of the restrictions. They send to you their love, their prayers, their affection and their condolences. Today we come to attend the funeral of a remarkable woman in so many ways, bright, accomplished, spiritual and devoted to people over the years, family and friends and children who came under her care in education. This has been a good life, a long, purposeful, selfless and contented life. It hasn't been a life that has been cut short or suddenly shortened by ill health, but one which has stretched over the years and decades and she was able to live and see and do many things. Bridget was greatly loved, and today we gather to celebrate her life with deep satisfaction and deep joy. You might say today that a bright light has gone out of life, but not so, for that bright light continues to burn brightly today and always. 
as St Paul says in today's reading, love never comes to an end. To prepare ourselves to celebrate these sacred mysteries, we first call to mind our sins. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. And may Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. O God, Almighty Father, our faith professes that your Son died and rose again. Mercifully grant through this mystery your servant Bridget, who has fallen asleep in Christ, may, rise, may, may rejoice to rise again through him, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Please be seated. A reading from the first letter of St. John. My dear people, let us love one another, since love comes from God, and everyone who is begotten by God and knows God, anyone who fails to love can never have known God, because God is love. And God's love for us was revealed when God sent into the world his only Son, so that we could have life through him. And this is the love I mean, not our love for God, but God's love for us when he sent his son to be the sacrifice that takes our sins away. Dear friends, since God has loved us so much, we too should love one another. No one has ever seen God, but as long as we love one another, God will live in us and his love will be complete in us. The word of the Lord.
reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. Be ambitious for the higher gifts, and I am going to show you a way that is better than any of them. If I have all the eloquence of men or of angels but speak without love, I am simply a gong booming or a cymbal clashing. If I have all the gifts of prophecy, understanding all the mysteries there are, and knowing everything, and if I have faith in all its fullness to move mountains, but without love, then I am nothing at all. If I gave away all that I possess piece by piece, and if I even let them take my body to burn it, but I'm without love, then it will do me no good whatever. Love is always patient and kind, it's never jealous. Love is never boastful or conceited. It's never rude or selfish. It doesn't take offence. It's not resentful. Love takes no pleasure in other people's sins, but delights in the truth. It's always ready to excuse, to trust, to hope, and to endure whatever comes. Love does not come to an end. The word of the Lord. Please stand. Praise to you, o Christ, King of eternal glory. Not by bread alone do we live, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. There was a lawyer who, to disconcert Jesus, stood up and said to him, Master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? What do you read there? And he replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your soul, with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbour as yourself. You've answered right, said Jesus. Do this and life is yours. But the man was anxious to justify himself and said to Jesus, And who is my neighbour? And Jesus replied, A man was once on his way down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of brigands. They took all he had, beat him, and then made off, leaving him half dead. Now a priest happened to be travelling down the same road, but when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. In the same way, a Levite who came to that place saw him and passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan traveller, who had come upon him, was moved with compassion when he saw him. 
He went up and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. He then lifted him onto his own mount, carried him to the inn and looked after him. Next day he took out two denarii and handed it to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and on my way back I will make good any extra expense you have. Which of these three do you think proved themselves a neighbour to the one who fell into the brigand's hands? The one who took pity on him, he replied. Jesus said to him, go and do the same yourself. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. It's one of the great joys, but also one of the weighty responsibilities that I have as a parish priest to say a few words at the end of a person's life. I'm often daunted by this task because I realise how limited I am in it, limited perhaps in the way that I know a person, and many more people could speak in a fuller way and with more insight and authority than I could speak having lived a whole lifetime alongside that person. Limited to in time, or how unjust it seems to sum up in life, uh, in minutes, a life that has taken a whole lifetime to live. Limited to in summing up the textures and colours of a person's life and personality. I'm always in danger of speaking of the facts of their life and missing out the quality and weave of that life. I suppose at the end of the day I'm called to speak of that person's life in the context of the mystery of God. But who could ever really speak of something that is so deeply personal and unique to that individual? That interweaving mystery of God that moves in and out of our life. Who could ever know how that grace has entered into the life of a person Only that person could know it fully. Today I have chosen for the Mass the story of the Good Samaritan. It seems to me a good starting point to any believer's life. It is a tale or a parable, as you know, that Jesus himself tells in response to that question put by him. Who is my neighbour? And it's about a person, of course, who goes the extra mile, a person whose generosity and care seems to know no bounds, a person who breaks convention, doesn't care that the stranger is a foreigner, doesn't care that he becomes ritually impure if he touches a sick man, doesn't care if he's delayed in what he was setting out to do. All he wants to do is to love this neighbour who is a stranger and the one who is unknown to him. He stops where others pass by, tends his wounds where others recoil from such a deed, gets him onto his mount and takes him to be looked after, where others were too busy and they pass by. And he leaves him at this inn itself and goes on to his work, but makes sure that he's looked after and that he will settle the account on his return. 
At first sight, this may seem a strange reading uh, to choose today, but it seems to me a good reading for this funeral because it sums up the direction of travel of Bridget's life, a life of generosity and goodness and love for others and family and for children that came into her care. Walking the extra mile, no expense spared in time or effort, the generosity of love and tenderness of love that spills over and doesn't count the cost. This was the direction of travel that she took. This was the road that she was on, always to the end of her life. I mentioned at the beginning of Mass that she was a remarkable woman, and I believe truly that she was remarkable in the way that she lived her life with principle and virtue. If that reading today uh, from the Gospel speaks of the Good Samaritan and speaks of love of neighbour, we also hear the same kind of message in those other readings. St Paul himself speaks of the radicalness of love, shows itself in words and actions and thoughts. It's like a rich, elegant robe that we wear in life. And he says that love is better than anything, any prophecy or words, It's the thing that remains when everything else fades and fails. It doesn't wear out. It doesn't age. It can't be broken, but lasts for the ages. To put that love at the top of the list of our priorities in life seems to me an important thing that we get from those readings. And certainly when we think of Bridget, we think of someone who scored highly in this thing. That road that I spoke of a few minutes ago is a road that led her to this day. It's a road that will lead her to the Father's home in which there are many rooms. The door will swing open for her. The table will be set. Her place is assured. The lights will be on. The fire will be lit. There will be merriment and joy. Of this we have no doubt. Just a few details about uh, Bridget's life. She was born on the 19th of March, 1929. Her parents were Maggie and John McCamley. She was born into a large family of 10 children, but only four survived, Margaret Rose, Joseph and herself. An interesting fact is that she remembered the dates on which each of her siblings were born, those who survived and those who didn't survive. She lived through the war and had a great memory of growing up in the air raids and bombs falling around about her. Looking up through the roof of the tenement, she was able to see the open sky and the stars in the night above her, which may, of course, have triggered a later interest in the stars and the night sky. She was a bright pupil at uh, Charlotte Street, where she was admitted uh, later on that she wasn't an angel. She progressed uh, to Notre Dame Teaching College. Her free spirit didn't take well to the the religious order and the discipline of the nuns. Her young days, she was keen in Scottish country dancing and joined a group of Scottish country dancers in the east end of the city. Apparently she had the role of the man because there was a shortage of men in those days. It meant, I think, that she led, and she would have been happy enough with that, I think. 
Scottish dancing was something that she had a love for and even taught the youngsters in the east end of the city in one of her schools the intricacies of Scottish dancing for which she was commended. Her family was close to her husband's family, uh, literally living in the next tenement to them. He was, if you like to say, the boy next door or the boy in the next building. Um, Frank, in returning from the army late from the war, allegedly said that it was Bridget who did the running, while Bridget claimed that it was Frank that had asked her out when on the top of the bus, alongside her mother sitting next to her. The jury is out on which is this true story. She had a long teaching career, which I note was often in schools in poorer areas of the city. St John's in the Gorbals, St Mary's in the Calton, St Teresa's in Postle Park, St Columbus in Mary Hill, and then eventually she became the head teacher in St Clare's in Easter House in the 1970s. It's highly commendable that her whole teaching career virtually was in these schools in poorer areas. She also taught in Our Lady of Lourdes in East Kilbride as well. She was, I believe, a conscientious teacher and head teacher as well. Hardworking, serious, but very compassionate. You can imagine how important those foundations were for those young children in later life and how important it was for these young children that they encountered in their life a teacher of high quality. She studied and took up the Frobel Method, I believe, a programme that encouraged play in children's early learning and the use of toys and shapes to learn. She was, by repute, an excellent head teacher, good management skills, good with people, and always looking for the best from her pupils. She lamented the few amenities for young people in Easter House in those days and was active in fundraising and in her ambitions for these young people. Her teaching career drew to a close with her retirement in 1986. Her retirement years lasted, I suppose, as long as her working life. She was also involved in children's panels in the early 1970s and she was one of its first members. They involved her in very serious and delicate work on behalf of these children. It was a work she did well and gave herself wholeheartedly to as well too. She married Frank in 1952 and set up home in the same block as her family. Children John and Margaret followed, John in 1955, Margaret in 1957. The family were then to move uh, around about this stage to East Kilbride, where Frank had a job in the research plant of the National Electronic Laboratories. Jared and Claire were to fall, 1958 and 1961. The family, of course, that would then move to be with us here uh, in Douglas Drive in Canvas Lang in 1969, giving them lots of space, a garden, a fish pond with large fish. It was a great sadness uh, for her when Frank himself died in 1984 and she missed him greatly over the years, as did all of the family. He was a very fine man. 
She was close to all her children. They were a source of great pride to her as she was to them. She was an inspiration, a support, and a guide all their days. They always knew that she would be there for them and that she would be happy to offer advice. And they will miss her greatly in times that lie ahead. She was exceptionally delighted when the grandchildren arrived on the scene and she would be busy herself travelling from place to place helping to raise the children. It created a strong, loving bond between her and the grandchildren herself. They each loved her grand very much, visited her and revered her. She was gentle, kindly, patient and very wise with them. And I'd like to mention today the grandchildren's uh, names and the great grandchildren as well. Simon and Francis and Martin and Gabriel and Ian and Lucy and Claire and Madeline and Mary and Leo and Katie. And great grandchildren, uh, Joseph and Maria and, and Rose. Of course, it was a great sadness uh, when young Simon died uh, for Bridget and for all of the family. They're very fond, of course, uh, of her in-laws, uh, sons and daughter-in-laws. Uh, and I'd like to mention them especially today, for they were very fond of her. During her life, uh, she particularly liked to travel and to go have the opportunities uh, to see places uh, further afield. Rome and Assisi and Paris and Brussels and New York and Dublin the Scottish Islands, to name just a few places that she visited. She was a very resourceful woman and could turn her hand to most things. She listed sewing and knitting and crocheting and embroidery and gardening and even carpentry as well, for there were no limits to her handiwork. She's very, very dedicated to her sisters and her brother, and liked to spend much time with them, especially in retirement. And retirement itself gave her great time to pursue interests. In later life, illness came, a slow de descent, which eventually led to her being cared for uh, at the home in the final years of her life. She was safe, secure, and well cared for by the staff there and the family are deeply grateful for that care and attention. In nature, she was a resolute woman, strong in her opinions and views. She thought much and was articulate and considered in her opinion of things. She was also good and kindly in her ways, and she was faithful and true, a person in whom people could depend on and rely on and be supported by. And she was a modern woman too, balancing work and family life, and surely making big steps for women who would come after her. She was also the strong foundations of this family's life, alongside her husband, for her own children and their children too. She was also a woman of great joy and great happiness. She was also deeply spiritual too, for her faith itself meant everything to her, and it was lived with great dedication. She found in the sacramental life of the church 
great spiritual depth, deep pools of faith in her life of prayer, and in her spiritual reading, great nourishment. Alongside this, it was the grace and the love of God which was the thing that mattered. Her life in many senses was built on faith, not a faith out of duty, but out of love. Love that responds to the love of God. And she was always drawn by that thing, the love of God that abides, the same love of God which is the shadow of the divine which we ourselves rest in. A life summed up in a few short pages and a few short moments to say something that's important. Somehow it doesn't encapsulate the full sense of a person's life. A blessing on her today for her warm heart. A blessing today on this wise woman. A blessing for her for being a wonderful wife and mother and grandmother and sister. A blessing on her today for her gracious work on behalf of the education and welfare of children. A blessing on her today for her life and dedication to this parish community. May this blessing bring her peace, for she has reached the end of the journey. She has run the race to the finish. She has kept the faith. Blessings of peace on her today. sisters, that my sacrifice endures may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. As we humbly present to you these offerings, O Lord, for the salvation of your servant, servant Bridget, we beseech your mercy 
that she who did not doubt your son to be a loving saviour may find in him a most merciful judge. We ask this through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It's truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, for even though by our own fault we perish, yet by your compassion and your grace, when seized by death according to our sins, we are redeemed through Christ's great victory and with him called back into life. And so with the powers of heaven, we worship you constantly on earth and before you without end we acclaim. Holy, holy, holy Lord God of hosts, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Please be seated. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts we pray by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and, giving thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more, giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith. We proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that, sharing in the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world, bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis, our Pope, Joseph, our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember your servant Bridget, whom you have called from this world to yourself, Grant that she who is united with your son in a death like his may also be one with him in his resurrection. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, Joseph, our spouse, the blessed apostles, and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be coerced to eternal life and we praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honour is yours forever and ever. We pray with confidence to God our Father in the prayer that Jesus has taught us. Please stand. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may always be free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not in our sins, but in the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who will live and reign for ever and ever. Amen. Peace of the Lord be with you always. Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world, blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. regarding Holy Communion, if you wish to receive Holy Communion today, instead of coming forward uh, just to remain in your places, just to stand, uh, not able to receive Holy Communion in the tongue, obviously, in these days, so uh, just to place your hands out to receive Holy Communion. Uh, once you've received Holy Communion, then feel free just to sit down after that. Uh, if you don't perhaps wish to receive Holy Communion, but maybe you'd like to receive a blessing instead, uh, just to place your hand on your breast, and I'll give you a blessing uh, as I pass by. And again, you just... Uh, seated after that. Don't want to receive Holy Communion, don't want to receive a blessing, then just uh, remain seated where you are. So please stand if you'd like to receive Communion or a blessing. Make me a channel Sweet. 
I saw this poem when I was sitting in um, a London underground train last summer, last August, when we were allowed to travel. Um, it's by Leanna Sullivan, and it's called Note. When I went to London at first, I was in my 20s, a long time ago, I used to think that your grand paid for the buses that went up and down Oxford Street because they had Glasgow's miles better written on them. So I thought it was a kind of a message that she was sending. Well, obviously it was a message that she was sending me to come home. Um, so when I saw this poem, I thought she was sending me another message. So I'm not sure why she would choose the medium of London Transport to send her messages to me, but she was very mysterious. Um, I think we've all, children, grandchildren, heard these words from mum, from Gran, and I'm sure we've all used them at some time. So note Leanne and Sullivan. If we become separated from each other this evening, try to remember the last time you saw me and go back and wait for me there. I promise I won't be very long. Though I'm haunted by the feeling that I might keep missing you with the noise of the city growing too loud and the day burning out so quickly. But let's just say it's as good a plan as any. Just once, let's imagine a word for the memory that lives beyond the body, that circles and sets all things alight. For I have singled you out from the whole world, and I would, even as this darkness is falling, even when the night comes when there are no more words, when the day comes when there's no more light. Lord God, whose Son left us in the sacrament of his body, food for the journey, mercifully granted strengthened by it, our dear sister may come to the eternal table of Christ, who lives and reigns forever and ever. to God. 
your sight when she left her mother. Forgive whatever sin she may have committed through human weakness, and in your goodness grant her everlasting peace. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. And peace, my Lord, which spreadeth through the faith of men. May the angels lead you into paradise. May the martyrs come to welcome you and take you to the holy city when you and eternal Jerusalem. May choirs of angels welcome you and lead you to 